Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Thank you, team. Great sermon. How do you preach after that? Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, glad that you're here. Although, just uh, an update, uh, you'll have me for one more week. So, just... Uh, just uh, <laughs> um, but I want you to know we got a long ways to go. Uh, if you open your bulletin, you saw there a, a copy of what we've been working on for the last several weeks, the 10 traits of a, of a help, healthy church. And I just I, I printed those out for you in case you might have missed something along the way. But as I reviewed that list, I said, man, oh, man, this is like, is this a 10-year plan for Trinity Church? Or um, I, I don't think we can do it in two weeks. <laughs> But I want you to know that uh, your leadership is, is working on this even as we speak. And I want you to be working on it as well. And what I want to, actually today is number 10. If you've been tracking, we've been working on this since uh, 14th of July. And you say, man, alive, that's a lot of stuff. And it is a lot of stuff, but um, that's what I do. I do a lot of stuff. Um, in fact, um, the people that were at the thing yesterday, could you just raise your hand? We had 27 people there. Uh, the small group leaders workshop. Thank you for being there. Um, this, this, um, you know, I hope will be a fresh start in this particular department. And um, if they look, uh, if they look bewildered, it's because they're bewildered because they there was a like they, they, they tried to fill their teacup out of a fire hydrant, you know, sort of thing. But thank you for being there and keep praying. Uh, for them and uh, the days that are ahead. Now today, what, what we had originally scheduled was a healthy church is marked by effective structures and balanced governance. That's number 10. Now, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to... Um, I'm going to hand that to the leadership team. That's primarily about oversight, governance, and leadership. They're already working on that. So what I would like us to do today is examine with a little more care what it might be like to begin to implement some of these elements as individuals because <clears throat> the church isn't going to be healthier than those of us who are part of the church. In fact, that's, that's what we put there for the, the thesis today. I have it somewhere here. You have it there in front of you. Um, when church members are spiritually healthy, the church will be healthy. Now, I think we can say that as, as a truism. So what I want us to do today is examine what that might look like for you individually, not just for the corporate. That's, that's really important. But I want you to know, and you already know this, but the church is made up of individuals, all of you, and together we are the body. And as Paul says, if one member suffers, then all the members are impacted. So I'd like us just to explore this with a little more um, intensity today as to how, how this might work in my life and in your life. Um, we only have this hour together, and, and most of your week is doing other things. So what is it that happens out there? Well, I have a job, you know. Doesn't he know I have a job, you know? I have a family. I have school. I have all kinds of things going on. And that consumes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, space in my life. How do you expect me to be spiritually mature when i got all this stuff going on? Well, 
Stay with me. Stay with me. We're, we're, we're going to take a look. What I'd like you to do uh, is turn to the passage that the Lord just impressed on my heart this week from Philippians chapter 3. If you have a paper copy turned there, electronic, whatever, um, whatever you have. If you don't have a copy of Holy Scripture on the little uh, um, book wagon there, there's, uh, there are some copies for you. This, you know, years ago I preached through the book of Philippians. This is a this is an incredible piece of literature to encourage and to uh, give us some dynamic from the Apostle Paul. And I want to read a few verses that will help us gain some encouragement and gain some intensity in this business of spiritual uh, development and spiritual health. There's an awful lot here, but I want us to read together Philippians 3, starting at verse 12. The, the, the pericope, the, the passage ends really there at chapter 4 and verse 1. And as we have sort of developed a little custom, if you're able, I would invite you to stand as we read the Word of God together and uh, allow the Spirit of God to impress the intensity of <clears throat> this text in our hearts today. Philippians chapter Three, beginning our reading at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or already been perfect. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. There's a whole sermon right there, folks. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature think this way. If any one of you thinks otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let him hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have from us. For many of whom I have often told you and tell you yet again with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship, our passport country, is heaven. And from there we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Let's pray. Father, this is a great text, a window on the passion of the Apostle. Father, we could never accuse him of being half-hearted about his pursuit. Father, I'm asking that by your Spirit, this text would encourage and, and, and motivate and crystallize our hearts to be passionate about pursuing you to continue to press ahead to be those wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. So, Father, open our hearts and our minds to the instruction and the encouragement that you have from this text. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. 
Actually, the text we read is sort of a conclusion of what he is putting together, explaining some of his passion to these people. Now, here's here's the thing. The book of Philippians is really a thank you note for a missionary gift that they had sent to him. This is one of the faithful churches that stood behind him. And so it's a thank you note, but he can't he can't help but put in there some encouragement and some direction and some spiritual wisdom to help them move to the next day. And this whole this whole section here actually starts up earlier in chapter 3 where he, he warns them about certain things, tells them to, to stay with the program, uh, and he tells them that I have had a values revolution in my life. He says, what, what used to be important to me now isn't important anymore. I have shifted from focusing here to focusing in another arena. Which for him was monumental because he was literally at the top of his game in religion. PhD in Old Testament. I mean, this guy, they don't get come any better than this. Yet God turned him in a different direction. And that was following Christ. So I'd like us to use this with this theme to develop in our hearts today that when the church members, that is us, continue to grow in health, that will result in growing health for the entire body. So I'm not going to share any new information today. But what we're going to do is re-examine some things that we have looked at so that they may be reinforced in our own thinking. And the reason that I, I printed this thing for you is so you could use this perhaps in your own devotion time, in your own reflection time, as maybe a tick list. And it might, it might work like this, okay? Number one says, just pull that out and look at it. Um, this is for the church, but individually you could ask yourself a question like this. Am I becoming, number one, am I becoming uh, known for my growing commitment to the truth and the authority of Holy Scripture? Is, is that a mark of my life? Oh yeah, that's good for you know, missionaries, monks, and ministers. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just me, you know. No, no, we're, we're, we're part of this. So is that a growing passion in your life? The next one, it, it, are you developing a, 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 a growing desire to engage in humble, dependent prayer? You don't have to answer that out loud. No, just, just think about it. And you, and you can go through this list taking these statements, turning them into a question about where you might be in your own walk and pilgrimage. Might be a good evaluative exercise. Probably good for for all of us. Now, we're not going to take time for you to go through all that tick list today, but I encourage you somewhere along the line in your journey in the next uh, several days or weeks. In fact, you might just keep that in the flyleaf of your Bible to pull it out every once in a while and just revisit that and ask yourself, where am I on this journey? What sort of mile markers have I been able to pass as I progress in the journey? Sometimes your small group might be a great place to quiz one another on that, and encourage one another in that department. So nothing new today, but it's a reminder. uh, Peter tells his people that. He says, "I, I know you know this, but I want to remind you. One of the great books I just read on preaching, the whole book was about the pastor as the remembrancer. In fact, Jesus encourages us whenever we come to the table, do this in order to remember. 
So there's three things, three basics that I want us just to focus on for just just a little bit this morning. And the first one is 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 so basic yet sometimes so challenging. I've, I've called it here daily prayer. Daily prayer with the, the engagement not only of prayer but with the Word of God in a, in, a, in a connection with God on a regular basis. We saw that as we examined Matthew chapter 21. I'm not going to re, rework all of that text but just to say that there were a couple pieces there that, that we found were important. The first one is that, that prayer is a spiritual exercise. Now, we live in a modern age, even a postmodern age, where everything is scientific, rationalistic, and sometimes what that does is move us into the zone of skepticism. I talked to my wife this morning in the church. We've been attending. Ravi Zacharias is doing the main sermon this morning. And then tonight he's doing a, a sermon uh, for non-believers, and they're encouraging everybody in that church to bring at least one unsaved friend with them to hear the gospel. I thought, yes! That's it. That's it. But it comes out of this understanding of the spiritual nature of the journey we're on. And prayer is right in the middle of that. And sometimes I, I wonder, do, do we as, uh, as followers of Jesus understand that spiritual nature that what God is doing isn't always as visible as we might anticipate? And I often tell people, much of what God is doing is in the arena of the invisible. But often he allows that to pop to the surface and we look at it and go, wow, where'd that come from? Well, often because someone was praying, someone was interceding, inviting, pleading with the king of the universe to come and do healing or transformation or whatever it might be. And God comes into that situation. It's like, wow. It's a spiritual arena. And it requires what the Bible calls faith. Now, sometimes we get that confused. We think that faith is something like, oh, I hope so, or it, it might rain this afternoon, but I, I'm not too sure. Faith in Scripture, as, as Hebrews 11 says, it is a confidence knowing that what God as the eternal king of the universe says is absolutely true. Now, I know, we, I know in our culture today, we kind of get rattled with this because we hear information, whether it's on news or press or whatever, and then somebody else comes along and says, eh, that wasn't true, and somebody else has another view of that. Brothers and sisters, when God speaks, what he says is true, and those of us who wish to follow him embrace that by faith with the understanding that it is true and it makes a difference in the pilgrimage that we are on. And, you know, I, I don't care what invention people come up with or what's the latest, slickest model. This ancient document is what God has shared with us in order to have his truth. And, and, and it says over and over again that those of us who follow him will follow by faith. And prayer is one of the central expressions of a faith life. Sometimes when I preach on prayer, I, I tease people. I say, you know, you guys are really weird because you're talking into the air to somebody and something you cannot see. Well, bless you. Now, um, that's okay because God, even though we cannot see him, he's there. And that requires faith. 
So, brothers and sisters, one of the things that is a part of this and a part of fair and of faith and that engagement with God is inviting Him to help your faith grow. Oftentimes, he will do things that will stretch our faith. Hebrews 11 and 12 talks about, he calls it discipline. And it, and it sometimes feels like you've gone to the gym and the trainer has stretched you a little bit too far. But that's where the growth zone is. And it's the same in the spiritual arena. James tells us, don't, don't resent those things that come in. This is an opportunity for faith to grow. And as we learn to pray and engage with the word, that will begin to develop and to grow in our hearts, in our minds. Now, you'll notice that the adjective we put there is daily prayer. Now, the first thing I hear from people is, you know what? You just don't know how busy I am. I don't have time for that. Now, probably nobody in this room has said that, but I have heard that. Um, and it's, it's quite common. You know, I can't do that. I can't, I can't connect with God every day. What are you talking about? You know, once a week should do it. Well, let me, let me, let me challenge that. <laughs> um, here's the, here's what I've discovered. Most people can find time to do what they really want to do. You've probably observed that. And they will say no to something over here in order to say yes to something over here. Now, everybody in this room has 168 hours a week. If you have more than that, come talk to me. Um, But that's what it is. The difference is, how do we spend those? Well, you know, I got to have a, my seven or eight at night with my eyes closed. That's okay. That leaves you quite a few beyond that. I got to be at my workplace for X number of hours, whatever it is, 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours. If you're working 80 hours a week, you're probably a little on the heavy side on that. So you might want to back that piece off. That still leaves you a few more hours there. What are you doing with those? What are you doing with those? I'm, I, if I were a betting person, I'm not, I would bet that every one of you in this room can find 10 minutes a day to connect with the king of the universe. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, it is worth it. It is worth it. If you just cut out a half of one television program that's probably giving you messages that are, that are antithetical to this, and invest that in something eternal, God will bless you for that. And that regular daily connection, which I call here daily prayer, to connect with God. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are going, "Mm, I'm not so sure. But here's my challenge. If you're not, if you're not, Daily connected with God. Could I challenge you from the bottom of my heart to start that this week? Even if it's five minutes. Five minutes to connect with the Creator King. You know, we all have those little handheld devices. And mine has an off switch. I'm willing to bet yours does too. Some of those messages you just don't need. And, and for five minutes, maybe you could just turn it to the off position and listen to a message 
that is far more important than those messages. And that is the message from the king, the eternal creator, sovereign king of the universe who has given to us his message. (laughs) It is the most important message in the universe. And you have it available. Are you taking advantage of it? So that's my challenge in this quadrant of daily prayer and daily connection through the, through the Word of God. The second thing I put there is I, I'm calling this weekly worship. That's what we're doing right here. This is the gathering of the brothers and sisters for what I often call the celebration of life in Jesus. To be reminded, to be renewed, to be recalibrated, to be re-energized, to be refocused in the things that are truly important. And this can actually encourage and, and, and infuse life into that five-minute segment on a daily basis. And people say, well, I don't, I don't need to go to that, that group. You know, I, uh, you know I, I can listen to the radio or the telly, you know. There's great preachers on there, you know. Really, really great. But please understand... It's not just about that. There is something that happens in this gathering that you cannot replicate in isolation. In fact, the, the writer of the Hebrews so, was so emphatic about this. Don't give up the gathering. Some are doing that. He says, but don't do that. There's a dynamic that happens here you cannot replicate out there. And I think they still do it in the lobby. But it says, you know, when you enter, turn off your device so it's not distracting you. But a lot of times at home, it just distracts us all the time. But here, my prayer is that our focus would be there with the king and allow him, and invite him and then allow him to do what he needs to do in our hearts to refresh and renew and teach us and energize us. And we saw that in healthy trait uh, number four, John chapter four, verse 23 and 24. You can revisit that. And also remember that the core of this is not just the, the environment. That's important. But the issue is, where is your heart in this? And gathering with brothers and sisters whose hearts are 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 focused in the same way has a a powerful impact on us as we do this together. So we do this together. Um, I I don't know about you, but often in in the worship time, I just sit there and, and weep. To think that God in His grace would say, I read the book of Ephesians this week. And I love chapter 1, verse 7. He was so rich in mercy and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. Now, folks, there is no message anywhere better than that one. And that's what we celebrate and rehearse when we come together so that this will be re-cemented in our mind so when we exit from here, we'll go with a lighter step and a better vision and say, you know, God is good. God has done great things. And what's ahead is absolutely incredible. In fact, if you doubt some of this, reread Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5. When the Apostle John came into this worship experience, what happened? He saw the Lord, down he went. It literally overwhelmed him. His knees buckled. His mouth was dry. <laughs> it was amazing. This is the God we worship. Now, I'm, I'm not, you know, you, may, you don't have to necessarily buckle your knees in here, but there, there'll come a day when all our knees will be buckled when he shows up with the trumpet set. 
And this is kind of like a, a rehearsal for that. So I just encourage you somewhere along the line to reread Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. When they gather around the throne and celebrate in ways that are just incredible. And once again, the apostle is just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by all of that. Here's how John Piper summarizes all of this in his wonderful chapter on worship in his book, Desiring God, edition 2. Concludes that chapter with these words. Now we can complete our picture. The fuel of worship is a true vision of the greatness of God. The fire that makes the fuel burn white hot is the quickening of the Holy Spirit. The furnace made alive and the warmth of the flame is the truth of the renewed spirit, resulting in a heat of our infections that is powerful worship, pushing up and out in confessions, longing, acclamation, tears, songs, shouts, bowed head, lifted hands, and obedient lives. That's what worship is all about. You say, well... I got other stuff going on in my life. So, you know, if I can squeeze it in, well and good. Maybe some reprioritizing to reverse that particular priority list. Of all the things God's people are encouraged to do, it is to gather like this, to be encouraged by the power of the word and the celebration in the congregation of God's greatness and goodness. And carry that vision, as he says here, in obedient lives as we journey out into the world to get dinged around and knocked around by philosophies and all kinds of things. Most often that do not align with God's great eternal purposes. Could you just make a fresh commitment maybe today to say, I'm going I'm to reprioritize that. It's important. It's significant. The third thing that I put here, and this, um, this comes out of all of this, is continual witness. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the ongoing, unrevoked mandate for the church to go and make disciples wherever we are. We visited that in, in point number three and in point number six. We're not going to spend a great deal of time reviewing. But this is, this is part of the pattern. Come and express Worship, go and express as witness. Those are related. Because what happens here is that, that God encourages us. And then we want to share that incredible news that Jesus Christ died for people. They didn't have to earn it. He's not going to send them an invoice. He invites people to come and, and experience forgiveness and joy. And folks, there's dozens of people in your neighborhood who don't know this. And you might be the only one to be able to tell them. There's lots and lots and lots of ways to do that. So all of this comes together and what we have is our mission statement that's all, our purpose statement that's also printed there in your bulletin. We exist, Trinity Church exists to develop wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. There are three key terms in that. I just want to emphasize those for you this morning. The word develop, 
It's sequential, it's progressive, it's continual, it's an ongoing process. See, you're not going to become a wholehearted follower of Jesus just in a single pass. Oh, I read that verse. I'm good. No, it's a process. It's a walk, as Scripture often indicates. The other word there is wholehearted. It means it's a priority, it's focused, it's exclusive, it's concentrated. And yes, there's a certain urgency about that. Wholehearted as opposed to just half-hearted or partial-hearted. Wholehearted means all in. Followers, that means that there's a direction, it's good, it's clear, there's a destination, and we're moving in that direction. Now back to Philippians 3. I want to just see how the Apostle Paul urges and encourages us with some terminology here that's very similar to this. This is what he says in verse 12. He says, I haven't gotten there yet. He says, I'm on a journey. I've advanced far beyond just about everybody in my league with regard to religion, but I'm still going. And he says, I press on. um, I'm going to retranslate that word because it's a little stronger word than that. He also repeats it down in verse 14. You see that? I press on toward the goal. The word, the word, um, the word means pursue. And it's often used to describe hunting. That is a, a focused chase until the prey is captured. Think cheetah chasing impala. Okay? That's a life and death encounter. If the impala doesn't run fast enough, he dies. If the cheetah is too slow, he might be hungry. Just, just a plug. Some of you have seen the BBC uh, production Serengeti, uh, aired on Discovery Channel a couple weeks. Have any of you seen that? Wasn't that fantastic? I don't often recommend stuff on the telly, but this is one that I will. And the reason is, it just took me back to the times we visited the Serengeti, and the photography there is stunning. So I'm not making a commercial for them, but just this thing, cheetah, chasing that tiny animal. And that's the word that Paul uses here. He says, I am chasing after all of this with the intensity of a cheetah chasing down a meal. Folks, is that the kind of intensity that describes your pursuit of spiritual matters? That's what, that's the word Paul used about himself. And he says, I want, I want you to connect with this because look down there just a little bit further. He says, I want all of you, this is verse 15, I want all of you who are mature to think like this. I want you to be in the same zone of intense pursuit of spiritual matters because as he said earlier in this text, that's all that matters. In fact, all of the things that he counted on his stellar and incredible resume, which could have gotten him a job anywhere, he says, I now count all of that as rubbish. And if you work through this carefully, actually the word rubbish is a little too tame. And that's, he jettisoned that to pursue the things of the Lord Jesus Christ with an intensity that actually baffled those around him and sometimes even baffles us today. It was passionate, unstoppable, it was focused, it was energetic. You, you, you know, you'd look at him and go, this guy's crazy. Well, in a sense, he was. He was crazy for Jesus. Do people say that about you? Wow, she's crazy for Jesus. Now, don't necessarily pursue it that in the wrong way, okay? <laughs> don't, don't misunderstand. But there's a certain intensity about this. 
And I somehow want to communicate that with you today. That we would, that we would energize our pursuit because this pursuit is not something that's temporary, something that's gonna get timed out or, you know, there's gonna be an election and suddenly it'll be all gone. No, this is for eternity. This is for eternity. And this will help us move from that zone of just being those distracted dabblers to dedicated disciples and being slouching spectators to being single-minded participants from the zone of being the fickle fans to faithful followers, from flaky floaters to wholehearted followers. That's what this is all about. And when you look at the, the Apostle Paul's life, it, it just it oozed and vibrated with that kind of intensity. I'm in pursuit of the things of Jesus. I've, I'm, he says, I'm leaving all, he says, I'm leaving all that other stuff behind. It doesn't even show up on the radar anymore because I have something so much more significant. And that's the pursuit of Jesus' things. Could that be said of you? Could that be said of me? See, I titled this today, I Will Follow Jesus. So my encouragement today is that you would refresh that commitment to say to yourself, I will follow Jesus and pursue as the kind of disciple that's described in in Holy Scripture. I will carve out a little more time to engage with him, to be with him, and to share that however that works with those around me who are in need. Now, I don't know what that might look like for you and for your situation. But I know that all of us have room to develop in these departments. Another image, if you don't like the cheetah image, think of this image. In fact, he uses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, you can jot down 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four to 27. Look at that later. He talks about, he gives two athletic images there. He says, I am like a runner disciplining myself to run all the way through the tape. Think distance runner who's exhausted but using every ounce of energy to actually press through the tape. The other image, he says, I'm like a boxer, but I'm not striking the air aimlessly. I am intentional about this. And I say I don't resonate with athletic images either. But the, 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 the picture is focused intensity in a particular direction for a particular purpose. And that is knowing Christ. So, folks, this, this is not a minor development. Now, I've been studying this basically full-time for 53 years. I am more convinced of this now than I ever have been. I don't care what else is out there. I haven't tried it all. I just tell you, I haven't tried it all. But I've, I, I've looked at people who have. And folks, in the end, in the end, this is it. Nothing comes close. Nothing. And in the end, Jesus will say, Well done. You've been a good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, and we're going to have a party like you have never seen before in your life. And it's going to go on and on and on. And it won't be fattening. Yes! 
<laughs> Where are you in all of this? How would you rate your level of intensity as you pursue Jesus? Is it sort of lukewarm? Maybe a little cool? Maybe a little toward the warm side? I'm just going to pause for just a moment, just give you an opportunity just to reflect on this for just a bit. I've given just a little space at the bottom of your note there just to maybe make yourself a written note, at least make a mental note to say, in the days ahead, it is my desire and intention to move along in my pursuit of Jesus like this, based on what we've been saying in these weeks. Take a moment. There's a pencil probably in the seat pocket there. And just think about this for just a moment. Now, you might say, well, that really wasn't enough time. But this is a process that does not stop with the benediction of this gathering. My prayer is that this would just give you some inspiration and some focus and some rededication as you pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a pursuit that will never come up hollow or empty. It's a pursuit of enrichment joy and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm so, so grateful for Jesus. He gave everything he had for us. You invite us to follow. You invite us to focus. You invite us to run the race ahead of us. Father, I ask that your spirit would just encourage us today in this endeavor. There is nothing that compares to this. So, Lord, continue to do your work in our hearts, in our minds, to transform us and conform us into the image of Christ. 
Thank you for the encouragement shared by the Apostle Paul. His intensity astounds us. And it challenges us. Father, help us to take the next step. The next step in the right direction. Whatever that might be. As we earnestly pursue the life you have for us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus who gave everything so we could be your children. Thank you for that. Amen. As we conclude, I just invite you to stand and I would like to leave you with what the Apostle Paul shared with the Colossian church along these very same lines. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are here on the earth. For you have died, and the life you now have is hidden with Christ. And that's what makes the difference. There's a lot of things around in your life that can consume your mind, your time, your energy, your resources. And we understand that. Yet my encouragement today is at the pinnacle of that would be what we've been discussing. Set your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You will not be disappointed. It is a blessing exceeding all other blessings. Be enriched. Be encouraged. And go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.